0: Thank you for joining us for another edition of bearded bros podcast. Of course, this week we're going to cover all of the topics we normally cover, which include beer, coping with COVID, music, entertainment, and of course the esoteric topic. But what we're really excited to tell you about is our new contest that we are having at this time. So if you're listening to this, The contest is currently started. What is the contest? Well, it is the opportunity to win Masterclass for a year. So what what is Masterclass, you ask? Well, Masterclass is a brilliant way to learn a ton of new stuff from the industry leaders in each subject. So, for example, I just watched the Franklin Barbecue One with Aaron Franklin, and I learned how to smoke a brisket. So really good stuff on there. It is a $180 value. So what do you need to do to win this Masterclass package for a year? All you have to do is go to our Facebook page. Like the post that we'll have pinned up at the top of the page. Share it and comment your favorite part of the episode. And you will automatically be entered to win a year-long subscription to Masterclass. So we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to go to Facebook, like, share, and comment your favorite part of the episode. Everybody who listens and leaves a comment and likes and shares is automatically entered to win Masterclass for a year. What a great deal. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed the podcast, and as always, cheers. and welcome to another edition of Bearded Bros Podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, I'm Keith, and I'm joined by my two bearded bros, Charles and Stephen. What up? Charles, Stephen, hate Nazis?
1: Hate them. Hate them so much.
0: Awesome. I think we all hate Nazis. And if you don't, don't listen to our podcast. We really don't want you. All right, so we're going to discuss beer, music, entertainment, coping with COVID and mental health, and of course, an esoteric topic at the end of the evening. So let's go ahead and start with uh, Stephen. What you drinking on this week?
2: All right. So it's, uh, it's late spring in Texas, which might as well be August for everybody else. So our temperatures have already been creeping up to the upper 80s, low 90s. So this time of year, I'm always looking for a nice, like good hot weather beer that's refreshing IPAs in my mind. I love them, but they're a dime a dozen and it's super easy to find a good IPA. It's a lot easier to find bad ones. But what it's really hard to find is a really good... I don't know. You can pick the style. You can call it a Pilsner. I like Pilsners. You can... It, whatever, whatever. Like, uh, even, a, even a good lager is, is I would argue, pretty hard to find. So, a light, easy drinking beer that's really good. Well, it could, yeah, it could be a Session beer, but, but not like a Session IPA. Something that's not right. real bitter. It's going to taste really good when you're sitting outside at the river or at the pool. Something like that. So... What I have is a Kolsch from Allstat Brewery, which is in Fredericksburg, Texas. And I'm pouring this into a glass right now. Kolsch is one of my favorite styles of beer. It's super delicious and super, like, I don't know, non committal because they're not like 8% alcohol. You can drink several of them and still feel fine. I'm gonna taste it right now. Ah, that's so good. It's just like just the right like biscuity, slightly not sweet malty, but just a bit of like bready flavor to it. Not not bitter. Like this 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 tastes awesome on the disc golf course at the pool. At the river, whatever you're doing outside, after you mow the lawn, or after you wake up in Texas and it's seven thirty in the morning, you go outside and you're already sweating because you've been out there for two minutes. It's just I wouldn't drink the beer at seven thirty in the morning, but you know it would quench your thirst
1: if you had to.
0: If it's time for a Tottenham match, you might have a beer at seven thirty in the morning. I, I
2: might, yeah, it depends on the situation.
1: I think it's a good beer for pacing yourself, so that's good.
2: And that's very true too. But yeah, I like a good colch. Kolsch are also good beers to make at home. They're uh, they're one of the. The fastest home brews, I, I think, like you know, you can get that bad boy from from brew day to to in your glass in 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 two two and a half weeks. So it's a it's a good beer.
1: Yeah, in Eastern Europe, you know, it's for the kids. So mm-hmm. it's
2: true. It's table beer.
1: Yep. All right. And what was that brewery again, Stephen?
2: It's Allstadt. So it's in Fredericksburg. It's a a l t s t a d t. So it's, uh, and they make all German beers. A lo- I, I like a lot of German beers, especially in the summertime.
0: And, and for our listeners, Fredericksburg is a old German town in South Central Texas. Would you rule it as South Central? Yeah, or it's Central Texas. It's hill country. It's just West Austin.
1: And, and when we say German beer, we mean it's obeying the, the laws, the purity laws. So it yeah. only has the yeah. the four ingredients or whatever. Yeah.
2: Which I actually listened to a really good interview with a brewer in Germany, and a lot of that's bullshit. Like, yeah, I know they. I mean, well, they they, they kind of uh, they follow it, but they didn't necessarily. I think we going back to the hate Nazis thing, and you know, uh, <laughs> German Germans get a bad rap. We were joking about it earlier today about how they're really good at everything they do, regardless of how horrible for humanity it is. Um, they're super efficient people, and so they uh, the, like a lot of that. What's Rheinsgebot? What the hell is it called? I can't remember. Anybody remember what that's called? The, like, oh, yeah, I to think you're pretty was. close. Reinsgavot it's just a Reinsgavot. German purity law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, I, I think the story is actually it came from like taxation to where they were. They started taxing a lot of other ingredients, and so the brewers started doing just those things to kind of to save money. And it's it's not necessarily that they can't you know they can't make it in other ways and stuff. I, maybe they hated the Belgians because the Belgians could all kind of weird shit in their beer. But I, I think I think the whole purity thing is a little overrated, as is Aryan supremacy. <laughs> well, the, the thing, the thing <laughs> I like about it
1: is that it, it it's constraints so they force these constraints and and constraints make interesting things happen i think sometimes yeah so by eliminating they actually kind of opened up creativity
2: but i don't but i don't know if it's actually a real law like to where they can't put other things in it Um, no no
0: no they they still can i mean you can get german beers with orange pill and things like that in it
2: right did you say peel? i'm a
0: southerner charles i say weird shit i german beers i think
2: we uh I, I'm I'm a super fan of the of the craft the rise of craft beer in in the United States and so and I guess that's another reason why I picked this beer. So when I'm looking for something that's going to taste good if I want to go swimming right and go to the creek, IPAs yeah, I don't know like sometimes one or two of them I can handle, but you don't really want to drink a bunch of IPAs when you're sitting out in the sun. It's just super super thick and malty, and uh, you get cotton mouth. I just I don't like it. So um, trying to find a beer like this that's not a mass produced beer is kind of tough. So you have the the big German breweries that you can go to. But if you have in your area a craft brewery that makes German beers, those are excellent summertime beers and you should support those brewers. So Allstat, semi-local, that's just west of Austin. Um, and I talked about Live Oak last week, and that's another, you know, German style brewery that's local. And yeah, you should check them out. Otherwise, the world is gonna be overrun with IPAs and then we're gonna be hating them just like we hate lagers. So
1: buy <laughs> well, I I variety. You,
0: I saw on um well, I was watching the Aaron Franklin barbecue master class mm-hmm. that he pulled out a beard on the grilling section and it was a live oak. I couldn't tell what beer it was, but it was definitely a live oak. You can tell and they're all good. Yep. All right, Charles, what are you drinking on this week?
1: Well, let me say before I start, happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Ay,
2: ay, ay.
1: So I have, I love my Mexican neighbors. They're,
2: they're fan- like, I. you can't live in Texas and not, and I, I don't understand how people live in Texas and have a problem with Hispanic cultures. Like that is part of our culture too. Like semi by appropriation, but I don't know. I love them. Sorry, Charles. I'm interrupting. No, that's it's it. fine. I mean,
1: Keith, I mean, that's a second test that we haven't really talked about. So you can say happy Cin- Cinco de Mayo. And if the person responds back, sad Cinco de Mayo, you know that you don't really want to hang out with them. So, <laughs> you know, if they say happy Cinco de Mayo back, they're they're cool. So what I have is I have a four corners. It's called El Ching Don. So this is a slang word in the Spanish language. It, it means like, awesome. It means like, oh, that's good. That's Ching Don. So we're going to see how it is. Uh, this is a, this is an IPA. This is out of, the Dallas area, 7.3 alcohol, 72 IBUs. You guys know what a Play-Doh is? Steven, you probably do.
2: Yeah, I think it's the way they measure the alcohol content, if I remember correctly.
1: it says like 16.5 degrees.
2: Yeah, it's like a different way of measuring the, you know how like when light goes through like refraction and stuff like that? Oh, it's think, a refraction I think, thing. I think okay, it's another so way of measuring alcohol content.
1: Oh, Okay, so a refraction index or something. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh this is the El Chingon for Cinco de Mayo IPA, which I don't usually go there but let's see hmm. so it's not it's not a typical ipa it's not ovary sugary it's a little bit tart but it's a late tartness as opposed to on the front end i like it it's uh, it's totally different than most ipas i've had it's kind of cool about this is they have eight different hops in it so i think that beats keith's beer with the six hops right
2: that's true yeah that's like their so, eighth anniversary oh that happy
0: beer. ending i made yeah
1: so it's delicious um don't know a lot about the company. I know they're in the Cedars District. Do you guys know where that is in Dallas? No, no I don't. All right. All right. Apparently, it's a good place to check out. It's one of their year-round beers.
2: I was just going to say Dallas to me is like you're either in a suburb or you're in a semi-decent, like cool kind of hipstery area, or you're in like a uh, high-rise.
0: I maintain that Dallas is a city with no soul. And what I mean by that is there's no identity to Dallas whatsoever.
2: I don't know if I agree with that because I've been in some cool neighborhoods in Dallas, but as a whole... I would, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm going to make some of my friends mad, but I would lump Dallas and Houston in the same category in that I could totally live in those cities and they have some great cultures in them, but you have to have some money to live in a cool, trendy neighborhood. Otherwise you wind up in a like crappy suburb where every house looks the same and you're 50 50 miles from the city center. That's what I I don't like about both.
1: Yeah, they're kind of a victim of of the space they have. Yeah, exactly. They can sprawl so easily. Yeah, so Keith, what are you drinking? All right,
0: so my friend Drew who works at New Realm Brewing Company, sent me a care package for my birthday. Little late, but with the coronavirus and everything, I was very appreciative of my mix pack that he sent me. And from my understanding, Mitch Still, who figuratively wrote the book on American IPAs and is now the COO and head brewer there, hand-selected these beers. So what I'm going to be drinking on tonight, and I felt it was perfect for Cinco de Mayo, is Moss Macho Double IPA. And this comes in at 9.3%. Damn. And it, it just uses Centennial Simcoe and Citra Hops. So let's open it up. Pour it in this lovely glass here. <laughs> so one of the things I'm really happy about is there's been so many hazy IPAs and double IPAs that we go in the haze route as well. And this is I mean it's clear. Oh, it's really really hoppy. Most double IPAs you get that sweetness from the alcohol on it right on the nose. And for the record, I have trimmed my gross overgrown quarantine mustache, so tendrils of uh head won't be dripping down from it. <laughs> oh, that might be the best double IPA I've ever had. Wow, it, it, right here. It, you
2: guys hear it live right here.
0: Yep, you heard it <laughs> here. And
2: it, it was like 10 minutes ago when he said the name and we all forgot it. So you might I have to say it again
0: it's i mean it's there's tropical fruit there's peaches there there's just this incredible fruit forwardness to it but it's blended really well with the extreme hoppiness uh and then it finishes with just a little hint of sweetness from that alcohol being so high fucking fantastic we sound so energy mm. there's a there's a pineapple in this i usually don't like pineapple but this is fucking good i don't mean there's actual pineapple in it i mean know, there's Keith. Okay, just letting our listeners know you're you're getting stone
2: stone fruits and wet socks. Is that like? (laughs) Do y'all ever do the thing? You know, when you taste wine, you're supposed to like suck some air into your mouth when it's in the in your mouth. you've heard this before, right? Do you ever do that with beer? you think it makes a difference? We should all try it. Uh, not with, with beer. beer, with
0: wine. With wine, it does.
2: Well, we should try it with beer anyway, just because it'd be fun. I'm gonna do it. Okay. You ready? You gonna do it with me? So yeah, we're gonna, I'll do it we're gonna take a sip and we're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna like slurp some, you know, but try to do it not gross and weird. Yeah, let's smelling. do it. Yeah. Okay. Ready? It's really more just, the same. It's more <laughs> distracting than anything else. I was more worried that like beer was gonna like pour out of my mouth and fall on my my nice beer beer shiki shirt that Keith sent me in the mail.
1: So mine tasted different. I tasted more of the alcohol and I think maybe maybe it's just my chemistry brain like that makes making sense up stuff, but you know, you know, maybe it's more volatile. So, yeah, mm, yeah. I don't know.
2: That makes that makes total sense.
0: All right, guys. So let's go around and let's do our ranking systems. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying
2: to be clever, and I almost spilled beer all over my mic.
0: <laughs> all right, Charles, why don't we start with you? Where are you ranking it this week?
1: Man, this is um, this is really good. So I'm going to say that it is. Four out of five spits on the mic.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Steven. All right. For mine, I'm going to go with, uh, this is, it's a really good, like, this is a beer that'll hit the spot on the right day at the right time. I don't know if you could top this beer when you're really hot and you're outside. So I'm going to say it's 4.5 successful vaccine trials out of five.
0: Wow. Nice. All right. And like I said, this is the Best double IPA I think I've ever had. And I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 11 out of 12 disciples
1: disciples
0: amen to that wow
2: sorry my kid just walked in the room and threw a frozen waffle at me so if, if i interrupted your every every member of my family that's walked into this room is looking at me in the in the De beer shiki and is shaking yeah. their heads and like i think they're they're ashamed of me
0: and for the record there there's a couple things that were in that package for charles if there were anything that were two stickers one of those stickers is for Charles. The stickers are for me. <sighs> oh. Sorry sorry Charlie. <laughs> for for the
2: for um, the listeners, so we Keith and I order our beer supplies from Austin Homebrew. Um, Austin Homebrew Supply, which is in Austin. It's a great. It's a great local company. And they have a um, a, a very oversized, strange shirt that you'll never see anywhere else that they call the beer shiki, which is it like a daishiki? That's what it's called, right? Yeah. It's definitely yeah. like culturally appropriation of like an African gown, but it's got hops and malty like, you know, beer stuff all over it. And I wanted to order one, but I was afraid my wife would, would make fun of me till the end of my days if I spent money on it. And Keith ordered one and they sent him two, which is just perfect like kismet so he sent me one with a bunch of stickers so i'm wearing the the beer shiki and apparently it causes me to have waffles thrown at me and everyone just <laughs> yeah and, and your
1: wife your wife doesn't make fun of you no she so. did
2: she actually just came in to see why i was having waffles thrown at me and she like gave me one look and shook her head and left so
1: <laughs> so
0: am i going to hear it from lauren next time i see her about giving you that shirt maybe probably
2: yeah. Nathan called out the uh, the cultural appropriation aspect of it, which you know what I'm kind of very proud true. of him for that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's so comfortable.
2: I'll, I'll wear it out of respect in in private. <laughs> commando. <laughs> I might. Get, it is pretty long. I could go commando. It's kind of a <laughs> moo on me, but hey, whatever. <laughs> you just
1: need the pant <laughs> net now. That's I, gonna be great. I mean, it,
2: it, this day and age, I feel like I could go to the grocery store and put on like a, a mask. Nobody would know it's me. Like, I can wear the the, the beer Shiki, a mask, and some slippers, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine how scary it is for some people to be in a store with all these masks now and, like, not knowing if they're going to get held up?
2: Oh, I'm sure it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sorry. Let's go ahead and move
0: on to our mental health portion of our podcast, where we talk about how we're dealing with COVID and what's going on around us. So Charles, why don't you tell us what you've done this week to kind of cope with it and your mental health?
1: I talked to my wife. So you guys, (laughs) you guys know me, I can be a real dick. So especially if I'm stressed out and I'm worried, I'm thinking about things that most people aren't thinking about, like worst case scenarios and stuff like that. So I've kind of been like a dick to my family. Tracy kind of called me out on it and I realized she said something pretty profound. She's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you keep your family safe, if like we're miserable. So it was put things in perspective for me. And like, even if things don't go well, you know, and I think, you know, I for sure am in the vulnerable population, Tracy might be. So I I worry about those things. I worry about our kids and what they're going to do and things like that. And maybe I should stop worrying about that stuff and just worry about the quality while while there is quality, while there is time. So it, it was really eye-opening for me and I, I feel really good. And ever since uh, she talked to me, I've kind of changed my perspective and my attitude and I really kind of feel like I have a, a new lease on life. I've, things are not getting to me like they used to.
0: Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. All right, Stephen Charles, I'm curious. Why do
2: you think you're in the vulnerable? And you don't have to answer if that's uh, like too personal or something like that. Well, like, I'm missing an like-
1: I'm missing an organ. Kidney? Is that why? Yeah. It's your kidney. Okay. Yeah, I'm missing an organ, and it hasn't really hit the news. And you probably wouldn't notice unless you were missing an organ. But like dialysis units and things like that are like also in critical supply, mm. and kidney failure is also a major component. So,
0: Stephen, what are you doing to handle your mental health right now? Um,
2: So I'm not going to, my life hasn't changed that much. And I say that literally every week. So I pretty much just talk about my mood every week and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to talk more about one thing we did for uh, one of our kids. So I know a lot of, a lot of people are struggling with homeschooling and I think that we might be a little bit more advanced than most parents just because I was a teacher um, and you know, my wife is is, is is you know she's she's good with kids and stuff like that so we've been doing okay but we have noticed that our 10 year old i don't know has just been grouchy and is struggling with school and i think her teachers are doing a really good job but i wouldn't say that what they're getting assigned to them is necessarily very engaging and i think especially at the um, elementary level there's a huge social aspect to learning. So Aunt, my, my daughter, Anna, has. She's, she likes school. I mean, she complains about going every once in a while. I wouldn't say she necessarily would would pick a certain subject and say that she loves it. But she's, she always liked, has liked school. And I think it's because of the social aspect. And that's something that's been taken away from from her with this and doing a bunch of assignments online is not necessarily all that fun so we decided to, to branch out a bit and try to find some other things that she can do and so one of the things was i got her on khan academy has a computer science program for kids and she started that today and it starts with animation and basically drawing and making animated gifs and stuff like that and she was eating it up she spent at least an hour and a half and i was i was i was setting a timer for it because we try to break up her schedule for for about an hour and i mean she was she was loving it so that's something I, that's something i would check out if if people are having issues with their kids maybe not finding what their teachers are sending home very engaging um yeah so that, that's that's kind of that's kind of me everything else is Man. going great
1: it's gonna pay off for the memes too
2: yeah she's probably gonna be posting <laughs> some dank ones yep <laughs> I I was going to throw out there, if I was going to talk about how I was coping, I I thought about throwing out, opening the debate about what should be acceptable right now and what what we should start doing. I'm kind of curious... What you mean, like wear are? beer
1: beer shinkies or whatever? Yeah, so everywhere.
2: If, if I wanted to wear my beer shiki, and it's it's dub beer shiki, by the way, but if oh, I wanted to wear me. it and I wanted to go out to a restaurant, you know, they're they're opening up in Texas right now. Is is that do you, do you guys think that's acceptable? Is that a good idea, bad idea? What are, well, I'm it's curious, I'm curious what your thoughts are.
0: I I've had a hard time with all of this due to the fact that I am an extrovert. I like to be around people. I like having that. You know right there, having that conversation. And so this past weekend, we have our whitelist, which is a group of four people that we get together with. And we're all very responsible throughout the week. And usually on a Friday, we have a happy hour. Well, Saturday, we decided to do the happy hour over at my buddy Benny's house. And happy hour turned into probably four or five hours. And I came away from that feeling so much better than I had felt in a while. Just because we had that human interaction, we drank a lot of beer, and I was thinking, you know, it probably wasn't the most responsible thing to do, even though it's our white list and we know how people, we know what they're doing on a weekly basis. But I'm to the point where I think it's risk and reward. At the end of the day, we're taking a risk by doing it. But if my mental health is suffering then I need to do something about it. And if I know that these people have also been doing what they were supposed to be doing, and it's just us, I feel kind of comfortable doing it.
2: I'm going to jump before Charles because he might have a contrary opinion. But I tend to agree with you in that I think what we're really trying to do is slow the virus and... I don't know, going back to a quote from a very wise man that I know is we don't fucking know, right? All the details and stuff like that. <laughs> and that's for people that that's Charles, right? <clears throat> There's so much we don't know about this, that it it outweighs what we do. And I agree with you, Keith, I think that I, I don't. I don't understand people that are protesting because they want a haircut, but I think that if you have a friend group or a family group that is responsible, you you do know that you're increasing the chances of spreading this by by engaging with them and being around them. But I think you can do that in a semi-responsible way that at some point we're going to have to, like, we can't... We can't stay isolated forever, and that doesn't mean we all go oil wrestling at you know Hooters or some other weird <laughs> random shit. that's popping in my head when I come up with an example, but we have to do. We, we have to start doing things like that because you know our, our like, your people are are suffering from this in in lots of ways so if you if you can come up with a whitelist group like we like our family was talking about our upcoming summer vacation that we go on every year which this is this is the event of the year that all of the kids and cousins look forward to and you know going back to my wife's childhood like they have memories of this for for ever and could we skip a year? Absolutely. But when mid June rolls around and things are open up, if if the numbers aren't bad, you know we're we're probably gonna go on a on a beach trip with everybody. And I think if we do that and we all agree to some ground rules, like we bring our own food and don't go to the grocery store in in South Padre every other day, and we don't go to bars, we don't do this, and you know we isolate together. I don't I don't know how else we can come out of this without starting to adopt some kind of norms like that. I don't know. That's just my that's my thing. Yeah. Not, so I mean, we might be doing too early, and I and I'm not saying that that we're not, but at some point we're gonna have to.
1: So I I think we're uh, if you're rational about it and you're intelligent and you're minimizing contact and you're being intelligent about it, I think that's really smart. And I totally 100% agree with everything you said. The only thing I thought of a little bit towards the end is that you'll you'll know who I'm talking about. Somebody in that family is a dumbass, and so that dumbass is. Poor habits and 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 stupid choices makes everybody in that group vulnerable. So that's the part that's a little scary and a little sucky is that you're only as strong as your your dumbest cousin or whatever. So uh, I I I think we have to kind of open it up a little bit just for sanity, for so that people don't starve because of the economy and things like that. But uh, it's delicate. And as long as I think you're being thoughtful about it and intelligent about it, then you you got to, You've got to do what you need to do. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So that that's one of the things I did. The other thing is sticking on the brewing bandwagon. Brewed another batch of beer yesterday. Had a member of my white list over to be my brewing associate.
1: Wait, Keith. Then, how big is your white list? <laughs> is it like the phone book white list? Four people. Four okay. people. Okay. All
0: right. And and one of them happens to be my boss. So that that makes it a little bit more fun because it's my boss.
2: I was wondering about that. Have you heard anything about going back to work?
0: Uh, He's going back next Monday and the bosses are kind of the guinea pigs. They're going out and doing all the stuff that we would normally do uh, for restaurants that want to go ahead and open up. You know how to do that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Trip, who was who came over yesterday and was with us on Saturday, he's been doing this uh, since he was in college. This is how he paid for college was he was cleaning beer lines, and so he's just stuck with it. And so he's they actually go out every day and clean some lines. So it's not like they're. Not practiced whatsoever. They know exactly what they're doing, and they go wow. out and do their own.
1: So, well, so in a way, they're like COVID nineteen. They clear beer lines, like lines yes. for beer, <laughs> right?
0: I miss the dad jokes. I could tell you're in a good mood, Charles. Yeah, yeah. I
2: don't. I don't think I really understand that
1: beer. Like you're waiting in line for a beer. COVID nineteen yeah. clears beer lines. And they, there they, are no beer lines now. They're clear.
2: Yeah. Okay. I get it. I, I, All right. I got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> joke explained
2: <laughs> moving right along keith haven't have have the have the bars and restaurants in nashville not been open for to go like did they allow to go alcohol sales and stuff from bars and restaurants in tennessee
0: yes but and i'm going to put a big butt on this beer it, we're paid by the distributors my job is and so if the distributors are not distributing beer they have no reason to pay us to go clean the beer line because there's no beer lines to clean because nobody's and so we have to wait on distributorship to open back up in nashville and most of the bars in nashville aren't serving a lot of food they're just bars and Mm -hmm. so we're we have to wait on everything in davidson county to open back up and davidson county's separate from tennessee we're not open yet Good for them. Like the county next to us is open. The county underneath us, they're open. But Davidson County, our mayor has said, sorry, we're not opening up yet. We're not, we're not to that point. Nashville, and I, right? Yeah, Nashville. Yeah. And I appreciate it because he's basing his decision on science. And not on political pressure.
2: How how does your favorite Congresswoman, Marsha Blackburn, feel about this, Keith?
0: Marsha Blackburn can fuck right off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, And really, the bigger question is, if, if, if I go to Nashville... And I want to buy like one pair of boots and get like five or six free. Can I still do that during this?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't been downtown to check and see if that (laughs) boot store is open. (laughs) Anyway, Sorry, Nashville joke. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and move on to our favorite segment of the week, which is music. And Stephen, why don't we go ahead and start off with you on this one?
2: I like going first on music. all right i'm gonna cheat a
0: little bit before before you start i do want to tell our listeners that for the first time we've you and i at least have discussed who our musical artists are so we kind of have a heads up but charles has decided to remain in the dark or leave i'm sorry leave us in the dark as to who his musical choice is
2: yeah and charles actually made a good argument about maybe not Talking about things in advance, which this is the first time we've ever talked about anything in advance and music might be the one. I felt like last week we we were getting into this weird situation where we're like picking each other's bands and like trying to hold things back and I don't know. I don't care how we do it in the future. I'm just gonna follow y'all's lead. I, pretty much what I talk about is whatever I've been listening to a lot that week or you know, two weeks. And the the quarantine time is is pretty damn good for that because I listen to a lot of music lately. So I'm gonna cheat a little bit and I'm actually gonna pick three different bands to talk wow. about.
1: I don't know if it's really not three fair, songs, people, but three bands. Right,
2: and, and wow. I'll add I'll add a few <laughs> songs from each to the playlist. Um, but they're so they're like, all, like songs. You can,
0: but you cannot add nine songs to the playlist. I can add whatever
2: the hell I want. It's my, I, my playlist it. on Spotify. I'm the one that people can look up and see who it is, and they can send me like hateful messages on Facebook about that they like Nazis or whatever, you know, if, if that ever happened. Um, why well, you anyway, talking bad, bad about Nazis? So, the way that I approach this is. I I go into these kind of deep dives of music where I try to find somebody that I really like and like, just go deep with them and listen, listen to, to their, their, their full catalog. And so lately, what I've been doing was I've been listening to a lot of Uncle Tupelo. You guys fans of Uncle Tupelo?
1: Yeah, I know them. Back Absolutely. In the day. So
2: Uncle Tupelo is, uh, th- you know, they were they were kind of big when I was when I was in high school in the in the in the early '90s, and they're they're an alt country band, and I would argue they're kind of one of the first alt country bands that kind of started that for sure. Which for someone like me, I, I kind of grew up hating country music, but it wasn't so much that I didn't like what it sounded like, or I didn't like some of the lyrics. It was more that I just didn't like the, the culture and what I felt that it, st- like what it stood for, right? Like it was, it was very old school and conforming to, I, I always assumed that it, that it stood for conforming to this, this clinging to the past and these ideals that I didn't necessarily identify with and so alt country to me was very very different than that it it had a country sound but then you listen to the lyrics and it felt very much like relevant rock and roll and relevant like 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 poetry or relevant punk rock music like it just it, it was very much like a counterculture type of movement um within within the country kind of genre and i i totally like that so i've been listening to a lot of uncle tupelo and Uncle Tupelo split up, and the two main people were Jeff Tweedy and Jay Farrar, and they they split off into two different bands. And Jeff Tweedy formed Wilco with pretty much I think everybody in Uncle Tupelo except for Jay Farrar. I could be off on that, um, but apparently I think those two maybe had a had a had a little bit of a argument about something. Who knows what happened? But Wilco formed, and the the little little known fact is that the name Wilco when they decided to split up the band, Jay Farrar actually just said, this is all good. Whatever you want to do, just you don't, you can't have the name Uncle Tupelo. And Jeff Tweedy said, Wilco as in like we'll comply from the, you know, the old, like, <laughs> military saying. And so that's, yep. so, the, so the name became Wilco. Um, and I'm a big that's Wilco awesome. fan. I think Wilco is a great band. And then Jay Farrar went off and formed Sunvolt, which mm-hmm. is is a much lesser known band. They had a couple hits in the nineties, but I've been for my deep dive on my, like you know listening journey this past week or so i've been listening to some wilco and then some sunvolt and then some uncle Tupelo, and just kind of going back and forth and you can really see why those two didn't i i it seemed like they were destined for a split in terms of their 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 artistic vision so like wilco wilco i would say definitely went a much more kind of i mean i don't want to say mainstream cuz i don't think wilco's a terrible mainstream i
1: video. i say like experimental like, yeah no yeah a kind of Oh, yeah. I completely agree. The noises and mm-hmm.
2: Yep. So Wilco had some bigger hits, but you're right. When you listen to Wilco, they were definitely they went out into a totally different place and did some totally different things. I think Jay Farrar did too, but he definitely stuck closer to that um kind of country sound. And when you listen to like the more rock songs on from Sunvolt, they they still have that kind of Americana-ish early nineties kind of alternative, but still rooted like very quickly going back to, to, to alt country. And it's kind of cool when you listen to Wilco, you see that, that Jeff Tweedy switches back to that periodically too. So I don't know. That's I've been I've been listening to all three of those bands and going back and forth and comparing, and I've just been loving it. And they're they're all they're all good. Like what, all, all three of those bands have a very good
1: albums. What I've always liked about them is I feel like they were kind of like being playful with country from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't somebody that was I'm country and I'm going to mm-hmm. do something different with it. It was like, hey, I want to play around with this genre that mm-hmm. I really don't know a whole lot about, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. of of the three what would you say would be like your favorite album of all three of them
2: that's tough so um really yeah well, Man, so it's for, very clear for me so for wilco Yankee hotel Foxtrot is definitely yeah. probably mm-hmm. my my favorite overall album but the uncle Tupelo no depression album is really good I don't know if I have a sunvolt album that I would say I, out of the three of them sunvolt is definitely like the farthest from my normal listening they genre. really
1: they went very hard country
2: well i wouldn't say that they're just they stayed in that alt country realm which i like going into that a little bit but then i i can't stay there very long
0: i'm gonna be honest the album that in it's just wilco songs but the completely acoustic album that jeff Tweedy did together at last Mm -hmm. i thought was amazing i think that out of everything from Uncle Tupelo to some Vault to Wilco to Jeff Tweedy Solo. That album has always stood out to me because it feels more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It just feels there's more. More expression in it. It feels like this is what Jeff Tweedy wanted some of these Wilco songs to sound like, and I absolutely love that album.
2: I, yeah, I mean, I get the feeling that Jeff Tweedy is definitely the more experimental one. So a lot of that, those funky kind of noises and 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 cadence changes and stuff that happens. So like Charles, you were talking about what like one of your favorite things is like a like a like a change in the in the tempo change in a tempo yeah. change. So like yeah. like a Ghost is Born is another really good album from Wilco and the first song on that man it starts with like this super slow super slow burn and then quickly changes into this great instrumental song i don't know that wilco is really good uncle tupelo is really good sunvolt's good you it when i listen to sunvolt i'm reminded of the 90s more than everything else so i don't feel like it's really evolved past that very much it's not a criticism it's just what it is um, but it's kind of cool i don't know check it out and going back to what you were talking about With alt country, yeah, like my favorite Uncle Tupelo song is "I want to" is is their cover of "I Want to Be Your Dog" by Iggy Pop in The Stooges. And oh, it's so so good! Right there, it's like you you take like a classic punk song and you sing it like in this alt country style, and I think it's just it's awesome. That's
1: cool, you know. Talking about this alt country makes me think of My Morning Jacket. Mm -hmm. I I love that band a lot too. I'd say they're definitely more on the Wilco end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. but yeah,
2: I, I mean when you look at indie music today and I think a lot of people I would would say it's like the it's it's coming back to like folk roots and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. when you really listen to folk music and then you listen to this today, I don't know. It's I would argue that it's more of an alt country movement than 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 a folk. Like when you listen to the actual sound, that's what I hear. Anyway, it's just my.
0: Well, Charles, do you care if I go next or do you want to go next? No, please go ahead, Keith. What are you listening okay. to? So I'm going to start off. I I've have my band of the week, but Charles, there is a song that I heard, and I've heard it the past couple of weeks, and every time I hear it, I think of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's it's a band that we all like, and it's a band that when we used to go to Austin, we would put on one of their songs, and we would sit and bob our heads in the car, and the band is Tennis. Yeah. And they have a song out right now called Need Your Love, which has several tempo changes in it and every time i hear it i think damn charles would love this song and jamie when we were driving down the road the other day was like you should bring this up on the podcast because charles will love this song it has so many tempo changes
1: i definitely will check that out i love tennis so
0: yeah Yeah. so tennis needs your love it's on their latest album really really good i was thinking about you and i could not forget to bring that up today so that that one's just for you buddy thank you so my artist of the week is going to be one of my favorite bands and I've seen them a few times in concert going back to what we talked about last week with the concert experience either raising the band or really diminishing the band the concert experience definitely elevated this band and the band we're going to talk about is Dawes. Steven acclaimed this band, and I'm so thankful that he relinquished it because it is one of my all time favorite bands. I was trying to think today what makes them one of my favorite bands because I love music, and it takes a lot for somebody to really top that list. Even though they are a Southern California rock band, there's something about them that brings a familiarity to whether you're from the Midwest, the Southeast, It just feels comfortable. And one of the things I look at when I'm looking at music is, one, is it different? Is it something that I've never heard before? Is it something that experiments? You know, Going back to Wilco and Jeff Tweedy, is it something that pushes the boundaries of what I've heard before? But two, is it something that almost feels familiar? Almost like coming home when you're listening to it. Dawes hits both of those because there are songs that, I don't understand where where the hell they come from on it because it's completely different than anything else they've done before. But at the end of the day, as somebody who grew up on like Southern rock and that kind of sound, they also provide that for me, even though they are from Southern California and have never lived that lifestyle of being a redneck in Georgia. And so I think that's why I love Dawes as much as I do. But going back to the con, like the first time I saw Dawes in concert was with you guys. I still talk about that show to this day. It was one of the better concerts I think I've ever been to. Do y'all guys recall that show?
2: I I recall one of my fondest memories of all of our friendship is looking over. I was with my wife, so I wasn't involved in this little group hug, but seeing you and Charles with, like, arms around each other's shoulders swaying back and forth to the song, like, what song was it? Um, The one
1: about... It was uh, all, all, your all Your Favorite things. Bands.
2: All Your Favorite Bands, yeah. It was, I think I recorded it. I should post that some, but, yeah, that was a fantastic concert. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, it's, they're they're an amazing band. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but they were the first band I saw live at Austin City Limits taping.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. I yeah. did not know
0: that.
1: Yeah, so uh, I uh, had my If This and That app running and it did a little thing gave me the notification i got it i got tickets and i had nobody to go with Uh, so i did something i had (laughs) i did something that i've never done before in my life i posted on facebook and said anybody want to go and uh, one of my student ex-students who was going to school to be like a sound engineer and like did some awesome stuff like i mean i remember him sharing like samples of like doing like the temper trap distortions mm-hmm. and things like that and he just he met me there and we went and saw the concert together it was so weird so surreal i'm kind of an old guy he's he's a young guy but like we both appreciated this music we just were it was about the music it was it was so cool to to do that and the dawes are You know, I think like folk music, you know, where that word comes from is like people's music is like, they really are people's music. It doesn't really matter where you come from. They kind of tap into something deeper. It's not really about location. It's about like shared experiences. They're one of the few bands that I'll actually listen to the lyrics. Mm -hmm. You know, I really love their lyrics. So
2: yeah, I... I, I had kind of I had wanted to talk about this band for the past couple of weeks, and that's why I kind of claimed it like part of it was because my favorite album is We're All Gonna Die, which I, I like to make fun of Charles about because because he bought the shirt that has that on it, which totally fits his personality. But that's 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 probably my favorite Dawes album in terms of like the way the music sounds. They're such a weird band to me. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Like uh, you you remember, a few weeks ago, I talked about Bears Den and I compared them Mm -hmm. to Mumford and Sons in that they both found some level of success. And like again, not a criticism of Mumford and Sons, but they went this route where you know a Mumford and Sons song, you hear it, like that's what they sound like when you listen to a to the other routes, which is we had a hit song, but now we're going to do like whatever the fuck we want to do. And then the next album, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. That's what I, that's what I appreciate about Dawes is that everything sounds different. So you, you, you don't know that they're from Southern California or that they're from, like you can't tell. And their lyrics are amazing. They're also like, at times super cheesy like singing about yeah. give me a little bit of everything the peas and mashed potatoes like it but it it works so well it's just they're such a weird band in it in but not in a bad way I, I i really really like them and i've been listening to them a lot lately too and i've just been i don't know i don't know where they fit and that's that's actually a good thing like i don't think they fit in a genre I get the feeling from them they do whatever the fuck they want whenever the fuck they want to do it. Their latest album is really good. Everything is new and fresh and sounds different. I don't think they're ever going to be like a like a radio hit band at all. And I don't think they care, which makes me like them even
0: more. One of the things I want to go back to is that concert. It felt like there was a song for each of us. Yes.
1: Absolutely. At that concert. Yeah.
0: And the, the one that I always come back to is Quitter, I think is the name of it. And it was right when you had decided, or I don't even know if you had decided, but you had gotten the job in NIMSY and you were making the decision on whether you were going to leave our old school, and take the job in Nimsy, and that song came on. I remember both me and Charles looking at you and going, "You're going to have to quit everything." And, and but there was a song for each of us there, and, and that to me, like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was just a, it was a really special night. And it's very rare you go to a concert and it turns into something more than a concert. And that evening felt like it was more than a concert.
1: Yeah. Like the temp, the weather was perfect. You got a little breeze going through stubs. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. You know that I think they don't fit in a genre, but I think folk music has claimed that because they are such good storytellers and things oh, like yeah. that. And, yeah, and yeah, exactly. they, they've also have won so many awards. Like they're like folk music, you know, folk band of the year and things like that. I mean, they, the, the, the mainstream public doesn't really know it, but they, they have some pretty good chops when it comes to like, I mean, if you think
0: about it, some of these guys even were on the new basement tapes, I mean, those are yep. some of the best musicians in the world they brought in for that. Yeah, no, they brought in them.
2: Yeah, they're really good musicians. The, when you listen to the actual music, they do some weird stuff, like throwbacks to like classic rock guitar sounding things all of a sudden. And then, I don't know, they're, they're just, they're interesting. They just, they do all yep. kinds of random weird stuff, which is cool. And their their lyrics are amazing. They're, they're like, their songwriting is. Is fan, like, if you can make a song about getting an extra scoop of mashed potatoes and like give me chills about it, it's like you're doing something right in a really funky way, which is awesome.
1: I was just gonna say, like, they, they, like, they, liked, they der- like, every verse is like a derivative of the past. So they're talking about one thing in one verse and it means something completely different in the other, but they keep it rolling, they just kind of snowball. Into something different. I, that's that's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know folk music honestly. I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I feel like that's something that folk music does. Is it takes like a story and it mm-hmm. it, it it bends it. Every verse means something new.
0: One of the things I loved about that concert was their touring guitarist who's not actually a member of the band. And Steve, I remember you saying he looked like a Viking on stage. Yeah,
2: I remember that. But
0: his name is Dwayne Betts. Just a short story here. Dickie Betts was one of the guitarists for the Allman Brothers.
1: I knew the story was coming.
0: Of course, Dwayne Allman was also the original guitarist for the Allman brothers and Dickie Betts named his son after Dwayne Allman. And so Dwayne Betts is Dickie Betts son. And so there was a direct relation to the Allman brothers, which is why when I, when we saw him in concert, I felt like there was more of a Southern rock feel to the band than what we were getting on the album.
2: Uh, I think I think they definitely have a southern rock feel to them. A lot of their songs. My last comment about Dawes is I think that I don't. They have won awards and a lot of people know about them, but most people don't. And I bet if you plucked songs off each of their many albums and put them together on a single album, like it, it would be a like a chart busting. Like they have some great greats. They're just kind of distributed in all this other like great music, but it just doesn't really fit in any genre. Like it's just not like really mainstream main music and they're they're great
0: awesome well all right charles well now that we went on for dawes for a little while why don't we hear what you've got picked out for this week
1: so I, i went back and forth um i definitely did not listen to my artist on spotify because i thought you'd be like sniping me or looking trying to get some recon so i actually had an artist picked but then i went with uh last week's pick because i you know i on the fly picked the head and the heart so I'm gonna go with my last week's pick, which is um, Sharon Van. Oh uh, a...
0: yes! Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she's yeah.
1: Awesome. And I th- I think the thing I, I love about her so much is like just her rawness. Um, and you know, Stephen shared this punk book with me, and so I'm thinking about like old artists a lot and things like that. And I I really feel she's like kind of has like Patty Smith spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, just like raw, carnal, just awesomeness. So the songs I'm going to recommend are uh, Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Such a good, I mean, everybody's going to travel back in time when they listen to that song. And I like Comeback Kid. And if I had to recommend an album, it would be her latest one. It's called Remind Me Tomorrow. She's an actress, too. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, she's really, on The
0: Leftovers, right?
1: I, maybe. But the one I know her from is, I think it's called AOC or the AO... Oh, O-A. yeah, the, the one, the, yeah, the, the
2: angel. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about with people dying I, afterlife type stuff.
1: I love that show. I love that show so much. It's so cool. You should definitely check it out. She's just really good, but really thoughtful, really raw, but refined and intelligent. You should definitely check her out.
0: So I want to point out the fact that, and I'm a little embarrassed that I know this, she performed on Ellen. She oh. performed 17 and Comeback Kid on Ellen.
1: Both of those, huh?
0: Yeah, wow. I, w- I was really impressed. I did not expect to see that on Ellen. For our listeners, I just happened.
2: Been... Like, wh- why wouldn't you
0: expect that on Ellen?
2: I'm confused. I mean, Every day when he
0: watches. I don't
2: watch Ellen enough to know. So, like,
0: No, no. It, this, was, this was when I used to live at a different house with a roommate, and he would have that show on. And I came home from work one day, and it was on, and Sharon Van Etten was the artist. So I stuck around and watched the episode. And I'll be honest with you, I like Ellen.
2: No, Keith, we're not making fun of you. She can dance. Ellen. Yeah, I'm just, I've never watched it because I work during the day. <laughs> That's primarily my reason. So like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, why is that weird that she was on Ellen? I, I don't understand the reference.
0: Well, no, if you think about, you know, somebody like Sharon Van Etten, who is definitely an indie artist, it's not somebody that gets a lot of airplay, not somebody who gets a lot of, you know, come on this television show and perform. But she was on Ellen midday. And I just thought it was awesome that Ellen... Maybe she can see talent that other people can't or it was just she really likes this person. I don't know, but. She was performing midday on Ellen. Usually, it's reserved for people like the Jonas Brothers. I can just, so.
2: yeah, I can just imagine Ellen dancing to that song where she's singing about <laughs> that, like we slept together and then I took a shit in your bathroom, which is <laughs> my <laughs> favorite Sharon Bennett song. I'm not gonna lie. When the
1: sun comes song. up.
2: Yeah, when the yep.
0: sun comes
1: up,
2: it's a great song,
1: and that's a playlist.
2: Yeah, she's she's good. I like her.
0: So we're we're gonna take Charles' three recommendations and also add. When the sun comes up to the playlist, which
2: one, which ones did you say 17?
1: Um, uh, and just come back kid. And then okay. the yeah. album remind me tomorrow. Yeah. Now I got Which it. couple of those are on that. So,
2: and, and for listeners, we do have a playlist. I think we're at what, what is this episode seven? I think yes. after episode 10, we should probably make a new playlist. So it's like, 10 episodes per playlist so they don't get too long. I don't like real long playlists on Spotify. That's just me. But you can check that out in the show.
0: Awesome. So let's go ahead and move on to entertainment. And Stephen, last week you recommended that we all watch the show Waco. I did participate and watch the show Waco. Charles, did you get a chance to watch the show Waco?
1: I did indeed.
0: Awesome. So our entertainment section this week is going to be a discussion over the show Waco. So Stephen, you recommended this show. So why don't you start us off in the discussion?
2: So I'll, yeah, what well, did you recommend it? So let's start with spoilers, right? So it, we're safe to talk about the full the full show, yep. right? So if you haven't watched Waco and you want to stop the podcast and go watch, I don't know how many freaking episodes there were. I thought there were going to be three. It turned out that there was way more than that. What, like seven or eight, maybe?
0: I there were know. six. Apparently they were
2: in that compound for a lot longer than I anticipated. <laughs> a <month. laughs> But um you might want to pause it and come back. But yeah, so I say we dive in and talk about it. So from here on out, this is this is a spoiler alert. I why did I want to talk about it? I don't.
1: So in this, this is why. Made, I'll tell you why. Why? You yeah, tell me Charles. Because you identified too much with the Davidian's more than you thought you would. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah you hit the nail on the head. So
2: I am definitely a, uh, a, a, not a religious person, right? And I'm also a pretty liberal person in terms of my politics. But at the same time, I, I don't know, I identify with a lot of, you know, I, I think that the government should work for us versus us for them. And, and, and I worry about a lot of things specifically like the militarization of our police force and things like that. So again, I'm also a huge skeptic of almost everything. So whenever I watch a TV show, and I know that it's based on people's writings, you know, it was based on a couple books that were written by Branch Davidians, and then also this book written by the the hostage negotiator. So I recognize that it's definitely biased, but I think I think that as skeptical watchers, like you can see past. Some of the things that are probably embellishments or bullshits or dramatizations of stuff. And you can you can see that it was a fucked up situation from the beginning. And I don't know, this just seems ripe with conversations about everything from gun rights to, I don't know, like the role of the police in our society and like what it's like to be in a rural situation versus a maybe more urban situation. And like, do the, should the same rules apply? Or like, it, it's just, it, to me, it's so interesting to think about. And, and I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there and see what you guys think about.
1: One of the lines that really jumped out at me, was like, so somebody shows up at your door and says, send your kids out. What, how, how will you respond? Everybody's going to probably respond the same way. So that, that was something that really jumped out at me. And then, You know, I grew up, this was my local news channel, Channel 10 News was, I grew up with this and I feel like such an asshole. Like I never really, they weren't people to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like how many Davidians can you fit in a car? Mm -hmm. Two in the front, two in the back and like 98 in the ashtray. Right. Those were jokes and stuff that we told or what was the other one? Oh, knock, knock.
0: Who's there? Who's there? ATF. Oh shit. ATF who? Frank!
1: <laughs> so, so like I, I, just never really made them people, and um, it was really interesting. Like the the fourteen year old thing, I have a little bit of an issue. with. Oh, I
2: have all kinds and, of
1: issues with. Or, yes, but, 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 the, but the 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 guy on the radio kind of said it right when he said, like, if you have a problem with this, you really have the problem with the laws of Texas because it's legal in Texas. But people should be able to do whatever they want. You know, if they want if they want to like give over their sex rights to the Messiah. And, and let him have sex with your wife if they choose it and they're consenting and they weren't coerced, then let them do it.
2: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna push yep. back a little bit on that, just on one yep. piece. So okay. the people can do whatever they want. I think does apply when we're talking about consenting adults. So yes. I do well, recognize the 14 thing so, is weird. Right, the 14 thing is totally fucked up, and the fact that your dad gives you gives you away in a wedding to me shouldn't matter. Like that. No, that, that sucks. Right, that's the right. law. That, no, and I agree. And I and that that is right. So, but here's the thing. So like, let's say that's going on. You, I don't, you don't win anything by going in with guns blazing other than like a dick measuring contest, right? Like you have a compound of people that you can just wait out as long as you want and they're going to have to give up. Now, I recognize that there's all kinds of funky crap you could come up with. Like, oh, maybe they're eating babies in there. or Like, you know, doing all kinds of just weird shit. But the way that they responded... Ugh just it's just it makes it makes no sense to me and i don't understand how you can how something like that can happen it with cameras going on and you're right charles like it turned into a joke like i i was living i was living in ohio at the time i knew nothing about waco texas other than the branch Davidians. like i would have never known about waco until i moved down here you know i joke now about how the freaking silo people what's that tv show with the about the oh
0: chip and joe
2: yeah yeah i joke now about how they've they've like taken waco away from the branch davidians and now when people hear waco they think about them instead of the branch davidians but you're right like it was turned into a joke when at the end of the day it was such a just travesty of justice and comedy of errors on so many levels that it was it's just ridiculous
1: you know i thought it was interesting also that they brought up um what was the the log cabin thing in the woods Oh, right Ruby before. Ridge. Yeah, Ruby Ridge. Yeah, Ruby Ridge mm-hmm. because that that really did play right into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and and I don't know how many people know this, but like the Oklahoma bombing,
2: yeah,
1: is like a direct result of of Waco and right. you kind of see why now. I'm not sanctioning it. I'm not saying it's right, but you could see how like people felt trampled Mm-hmm. and they did not have any recourse.
2: And I, like I think those things had repercussions. Like not just I mean obviously on the families impacted and stuff like that but our society. So when you look so Alex Jones, right? If you don't know who Alex Jones is, he lives in Austin. He's I would argue one of the worst people on the planet in in many ways. Like his Alex his-
0: Jones if you're listening, fuck right off, <laughs> right? none of us like you. His his first
2: book, I think, was about the Waco thing. Like this is this is where he kind of really dove in to yeah. to this conspiracy theory mentality. Which and and I hate to say it, but when when you have things like that that happen, it gives these conspiracy people and like anti-government they're going to then go off on all kinds of tangents and make up all kinds of bullshit to sell you their stupid freaking supplements for their advertisements on their podcast like it gives it gives them ammunition and like i think that gave them traction to to really start this they didn't start the alt right movement but but that's where a lot of this comes from is that you know that our government and our law enforcement agencies have done some really just Stupid shit like the line where, where he talks about where the hostage negotiator is asking the uh, his kind of, you know, counterpart, the one that is is all about tactics, right? And wanting to go in. Like, why do you want to go in so bad? And he talks about the longer we stand out here. People realize that there's one of us for every I don't know how many 5,000. 5, and, and, and there, are, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people with that mentality that it, that it's it's a war between law enforcement and the general public, and that is that that's 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 super problematic. And if our law enforcement really believes that, then there's something functionally broken in that system, and and it's it's not going to get fixed until until that mentality changes because law enforcement is not. It shouldn't be militarized and it shouldn't be operating over fear and things like that. It's just, it's just fundamentally wrong. And it drives me nuts. And the worst thing about it is that bullshit like that puts me on the same side as people like Alex Jones, which is like, it it, it shakes me to my core that there's things that we're on the same page about, which is very worse.
0: When this happened, my father had just become a federal law enforcement agent. And so I sat on the opposite side of it because I was listening to what he was saying. I think if he was to look back on it today, he would even say the FBI really fucked that situation more so than the ATF did. And the ATF really did fuck that entire situation. Oh yeah. But I remember looking back on it and go, oh, those are the bad guys because the FBI is there. One of the things that when I was watching it was when they were reporting And they weren't reporting correct stuff. So I I don't know if y'all caught it when they were actually doing the invasion of the compound. They are like, shots have been fired by the Branch Davidians on the FBI. And they're sitting there in the chapel going, what? We haven't fired any shots.
2: Well, we don't know. Right. I mean, right. So to give a little bit back that it is storytelling and we don't know what really happened in a lot of cases. But I think arguably what we do know is that they they could have just waited him out. Like eventually they're going to run out of food. They're going to run out of water. They're, you know, people are going to keep trickling out over time. And I, I To me, it it turned into a pissing contest. And I think that's not the right way to handle a situation. And I'm not an expert, but at the the end of the day, it's like some credit has to be given to how it started. And I think the FBI probably knew that it started with some mistakes on the part of the ATF with the way they went in. And you can't just discount that and worry about optics. And I think in this day and age, like everybody worries about optics and what the media is thinking too much and like what people are, how it's going to be reported. And if you're law enforcement, I I don't think that should weigh into your decision-making at all. And I'm not a police officer. So there's probably people out there that would disagree with me, but the, Government should be above all that, right? Otherwise, we don't really live in a government that's governed by laws. We live in a government that's governed by politics and and perception of w- of what the voters are gonna think. And that's to me, that's the most wrong thing about them.
0: well, Stephen, wasn't it fucked up that the entire thing was based on improving the ATF's image? Right? They had hired reporters to come in and film this. I, the whole thing was almost a publicity stunt. Yeah, and I don't know how how much of that was
2: true, but we do know that it was all predicated on the, these people in this compound out in outside of Waco were potentially violating some gun laws. And I'm sorry, this is Texas you know how many people are violating some gun laws in texas like like going in one out of three like there were there are definitely different ways so the way that they went in keith it definitely lends some credit to that theory that they were trying to capture it on tape and and have a good showing i don't know if that's true or not and that again is fundamentally wrong like that the militarization of our police force wait for david koresh to freaking go to the store and buy milk, and if he doesn't, wait for somebody else to go to the store and buy milk, and you know, do like well, press them and question them or something. He, he to me,
1: other things. It was it was all about egos. Like when I got done watching it, I, I looked at Tracy and I said, "This this is about it's just a big pissing contest, like on all sides." You know, ATF, FBI, Koresh. If you make a mistake or your decision is bad, you kind of double down on that, you know, and you just brute force your way through it. And maybe everything will be okay. The the character that's villainized, the FBI guy, the tactical guy, he was rewarded for that. And I don't know how much of that was embellished or perspective or whatever. But it, the timing is significant. The way things were handled at Ruby Ridge uh-huh. versus Waco. Sometimes you know you 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 hold the line no matter how wrong you are, and it pays off. It was so weird to see things from the Davidians' point of view. So weird.
2: Yeah, and so wrong. Cause like I fundamentally disagree. Like this idea of those uh, yeah, and again, I don't know, but I, I have a hard time buying into these women being totally on board with this. And like to me, that's a whole level of bullshit. I just wonder if we're still paying for this today. So like when we look at how easy it's been for the Trump administration to demonize the FBI and to 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 basically take law enforcement professionals out of everything and say that there's these operatives working from within that are just, you know, deep state and like how many, how many people buy into that because of things like this?
0: What's funny, Stephen, is if you listen to other law enforcement agencies, and I can say this on a personal level because- I won't say I'm friends, but I'm acquaintances with a lot of people who are federal law enforcement agents because of my father. I remember sitting in, and I'm not going to give any names or anything, but sitting in somebody's office, the FBI calling them and them sending it to voicemail, me sitting there not knowing any better. But I'm like, that's, that's a fucking FBI. Why aren't you answering that? And their response was there are a bunch of fucking morons we don't listen to them anyways that had an effect on other law enforcement agencies because they realized how bad they fucked up that situation mm-hmm. that even other law federal law enforcement agents don't want to deal with the FBI
2: well i think that's i think that's an important point keith because at the end of the day, doesn't matter what the organization is, whether it's the your local police, your post office or the FBI or the State Department. It's still it's the, the people are still just human beings. And, you know, what do we know about most human beings is that they're dumbasses like 90 percent of the time, myself included. Right. So right. like these are these are people that are going to make stupid mistakes that are motivated by ego, and that's why we need like strong institutional norms and policies, systems, and it, processes. Can, right, that can outlast these dumb individual and groupthink decisions. I don't. I, things like this make me question how strong those institutions are.
1: You know, they're they're stronger than you think they are, but they're not as strong as you think they are. Also, I mean, my if I had to pick an institution, I would say the Department of Justice. Like, I feel like they go after wrongdoers it doesn't matter who you are but they're going to they're seeking justice and all this but i mean we've kind of seen that all just kind of corrode recently so doesn't mean anything and and you feel like these institutions are bigger they they some of them hold on to their values for a long time mm-hmm. but they can so easily be distorted and then when you think they're so badly distorted that they can't ever Do anything right again, they do something that surprises you. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like the yeah, the DOJ, like the functional pieces, you know, like the the functional offices that actually do the work. Yeah, they're populated by like career, like lawyer slash diplomat people that probably have their own personal politics, but they've chosen that as a career field, and they're 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 able to put that aside to a certain point. And yeah, you put people in charge of them that are going to tamp down on things. You can only do that for two or three administrations before all of those career people that are apolitical are going to leave. And then you're just going to have just a bunch of sycophant, you know, like temporary people in there that are it's, it's just a stepping stone or it's just like a means to meet their own agenda. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know if you guys watch Billions at all, Mm-mm. but the the guy that's going after the main billionaire guy. Like his sense of justice is like so pure and he's so just single you know, just focused on that one single thing that like it it's for me being kind of a black or white kind of person. It's, it's very uh, seductive. You know, I like those people that have like strong senses of just justice and stuff. So,
2: so if you guys were going to say that there was a like, what would you each say the moral of the story is? to the Waco story as you saw it in your past. Charles, I'll let you start. (laughs) (laughs) Man,
1: that's so easy for me. It's just like egos, you know, the negotiator I think was so good at like, he doesn't really care about like, if he's right, if he's wrong, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Like, what do you want? I don't care. Let's just do it. You know, like he only cares about like, let's get these people out safe. Let's get these kids out safe. And it's not really about I'm right. And you're wrong. Or I'm looking bad in front of all these people. We have to stop this as soon as possible. So to me, it was just about like, how much can be accomplished if you put your ego aside? And I mean, it wasn't accomplished in this case, but it, you could see how it could have been. So that that would be it for me.
0: Uh, for me, I, I think law enforcement was way out of line on this one. And I hate, I, I'm not one of those guys that is like law enforcement is the shit of the world because in most cases they're not now we do know that there is a lot of instances where law enforcement is out of hand and we can name dozens of cases over the last several years but there there were so many different ways to handle it than the way they actually did and to lose they knew that there were children in there and the fact that they used tear gas that was incendiary was i mean it, it, there's no right answer at the same time there are wrong answers And I think the way they went in there was the wrong way to do it. I do feel like the federal government was responsible for those lives. They could have done so many different things to make sure that that did not happen. Now, was David Koresh a great American? No, fuck no, he wasn't. But those people believed in him for whatever reason they did. They believed in him, and you can't fault those individuals for their beliefs. No, no more than you can fault Christians for believing in Christ and. You cannot blame Muslims for believing in Muhammad as the prophet. But at the end of the day, you can't fault people for believing in what they believe in. I I mean, You can
1: fault them, but they should still have the freedom to do it. You have the freedom to be stupid if you want. And I'm not calling people who believe those things stupid. I'm just saying that regardless of how far from the norm it is, as long as you're not hurting anybody, that's kind of key you're not a criminal you if you
0: believe in something yeah.
2: That is and, wrong to like, I believe that I need to shoot you in the face to steal your television because that television, but, but then me. you're hurting I somebody still a criminal,
1: but, but you're hurting somebody. If I said, if you're not hurting somebody,
2: okay, right. right.
1: And, and so then there's some ambiguity with like 14 year old girls and stuff like that.
0: Right. You know? but, but the people who were in Mount Carmel, just outside of Waco, those people believed that David Koresh, was the Messiah. They believed in him and they weren't doing anything to bring down the ire of law enforcement at this time. And I feel like there were a hundred different ways that it could have went. And it went the one way that destroyed the lives of a lot of people. I guess what I come back to is I wish, and I don't think this happened, that there would have been a lesson learned from federal law enforcement.
1: So I wonder... Like David Koresh says, says at one point, you know, you have a choice too. You guys could just leave. What would have happened if they had just packed it up and said, you know, you're right. We'll, we'll come back another day. And, and they just left. What, what, what ramifications would that have had?
2: Well, we don't know if any of that is true.
1: No, no. But let's, I'm just, this is totally just a thought experiment. What if they had just packed up and left the FBI, the ATF?
0: I think that the Branch Davidians would have continued doing what they were doing. Well, I don't think they there, I
1: think it's a larger impact on society than just that, though. Well, I, you think, don't? I
2: think after that, after the fact that there was a shootout with law enforcement, And private citizens, law enforcement can't just leave it because that's that's just giving into lawlessness.
1: No, but they can.
2: But I I don't. No, I don't think that they can. Like I I don't imagine a world where they could. No, Charles. I know they could physically turn around and walk away, like they have feet. But I don't think that. Like that's not how our society works. Nor do I think they should have. Like if I'm not
1: saying should, I'm saying they could have.
2: You're right. They could have turned around and walked away. They had keys to the vehicles and they could have left. But that's there's not that that's not the world that we live in. Nor do I think that would have fixed the problem
0: i think i understand what charles is saying charles is asking what would have been the ramifications had they done like what would have been the ramifications for the next 30 40 years had the atf and fbi just said fuck it we made a mistake we're out
2: well i feel like this went off the rails a bit okay so there I, i think i think there was good reason to serve a search warrant at the premises, right? Like there, there was grenade casings. And so I'm, I'm not, I, at no point in this conversation, am I proposing that they should have just been left alone from the beginning. You have 14 year old girls being married to 37 year old men. Like, like to me, that's, that's rape. And it should at least be investigated, especially when they're also making grenades. So this idea that they should have just been left alone. I don't agree with that. What I do think is that it was a comedy of errors from the very beginning and like it was a fucked up situation. So Charles, like if there's a shootout, so, so Charles, Charles, let's, let's say a police officer comes to your house and knocks at your door because your neighbors called and complained and you shoot the police officer. Other cops Mm -hmm. could just say, well, we're just going to ignore it, but I don't want to live in that world. Do you?
1: No, I don't, but I could easily see a case where this, this is a fortress with people armed to the teeth. Mm-hmm. And you could simply say, okay. And you just back up. Oh, no. Leave.
2: Right. No. Well, wait, and wait, 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 wait. Back up and leave. Like say you have a fortress so you can do whatever you want. So we're never going to bother you again.
1: That, that, that looks like the implication. Absolutely. You know, and time is your friend. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to go into the, into the Waco and like start raping and killing people?
2: That's what I'm asking you, Charles. Are you saying leave, like leave them alone or just back up and not let any food and water go in?
1: Right. Like, why does it have to be like a full frontal confrontation? Then I
2: I agree completely. I thought you were implying they should leave them alone and say, we give up, you win, you can do what you want.
1: No, like that's, that was ego. Like there are so much smarter ways to play this out. I I
2: agree. I agree completely. Yes, I agree. But
1: but that sends a signal to people. Like that does that doesn't make good news footage. You know what I mean? Like somebody slips out to buy milk or whatever, and you pick them up and you take them in. Like that's not. That's not that's not impressive.
2: But Charles, so do we want to live in a world where our police think about news footage when they make their decisions about what's right and wrong?
1: You know, I'm arguing for the opposite, right? That I, that's I can't not really the news tell. footage. <laughs> like, look, they pack up. They pack up. They right. say, you know but what? This matter? is not. What can-
2: Right, I'm I'm arguing for the fact that it shouldn't matter. Like our our government agencies and our police should not be operating under the rule of media. In terms of our decisions, should be based on what the best opt. They should be they should be working towards the best outcome. I think yeah. we're probably arguing for the same thing, but I'm, I'm a little confused by what
1: I would say something like it's not exactly the same, but I'd say something like soft diplomacy sure. or yeah. right. soft tactics and things like that, as opposed to like militarized tactics yes, and things I like that. Agree. But- that sends a signal to larger society and society is going to react to that. I just like society react to what happened. But so did this
2: and send a, just yeah, yeah, this sent a signal too. this sent a signal that the government is corrupt and fucked up and we're absolutely in the ripples of that.
1: And, and there's a major thread now in our society yeah. that, that is hates the government and hates, you know, institutions and things like that. I was trying to get to what would have looked like if they had kind of Appeared to tuck their tail and run,
2: right? Yeah,
1: still dealt with the situation, but dealt with it. There are a thousand soft tactics that can mm-hmm. be applied yeah. that are not militarized.
2: No, I agree. And if, if so. I was gonna, if I was gonna summarize what I, my takeaway is, the moral of the story is, it's that. Everybody, every single character in that show, the way they were portrayed, thought they were doing the right thing. Whether it's the dad that gave his daughter away, who's a freaking jackass, to the overly tactical FBI agent, to the, you know, the, the supervisor of the FBI who, like, he was trying to do what he thought. Like, nobody does things that they think are wrong in good context right but okay when we when we look at it in hindsight we can see that the person with the broadest perspective of like the overall good who is the hostage negotiator who is thinking about okay what really matters here are the optics what's important are the 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 number of days we stay here what's important or is getting out of the situation with the least loss of life the most important if that person's perspective was elevated to leadership it would have been a much better situation for everybody. which and charles i fully agree with you on that like they all they had to do was wait them out they've been waiting out fucking castles since the beginning of time right like it's make it a siege instead of an assault and and they would have gotten away with getting what they wanted which was arresting people or it could have gone south and they could have lit the compound on fire from the inside which is what the government says happened anyway but then it would have been clearly obvious that that's what happened without them storming it with tanks. so i don't know It, it was it's just interesting and especially in this day and age where everybody is all up and like nobody trusts the government nobody trusts their neighbors and it's just fucked up it was an interesting show.
0: All right, guys. So let's go ahead and move on to our esoteric topic of the evening this week. Steven, you were in charge of the esoteric topic. So which way are we heading this week? All right. So this one's, this one's kind of interesting and it's,
2: it can go. Um, it, it's, I don't know where this is going to go. So we'll see. So I'm just going to read the email and then we'll open up the conversation. So here we go. Dear bearded, bearded bros. I wanted to submit an esoteric topic, so I did some Googling to come up with ideas. I was kind of surprised that the first several pages of topics on Google were all weird mystical stuff and conspiracy theories. So it made me realize that the kind of things that I was thinking when I thought about esoteric topics weren't necessarily what Google was classifying as esoteric topics. So what do you think about Not just obscure knowledge, which is what I think about when I hear the word esoteric, but instead, quote-unquote, secret knowledge, which is what apparently Google is classifying as esoteric. And this includes things in the realm of mysticism and conspiracy theories that the people that believe in secret knowledge think they have discovered. Curious to see where you go with this. Have fun, Jeremy. So... I'm this is right at my alley. I like I'm I consider myself a big skeptic and I find conspiracy theories and mysticism and basically making fun of belief systems like a hobby. Um I don't know where we're going to go with this conversation. I think we have lots of different options. But when I read Jeremy's email, the 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 question that I get out of this is that he says, "So what do you think about esoteric topics, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, not being necessarily classified as obscure knowledge, but instead the idea of secret knowledge, right? So like this idea that there's knowledge that is secret, that only certain people know the truth about and how, and then again, paraphrasing how that translates to influencing people's worldviews. It's kind of ironic that we talked about Waco because I think that definitely is an example of this idea of secret knowledge that they thought they knew something about what was going to happen. I don't know. So I have a couple questions. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there to you guys first, but I do have a couple questions that I think we can, can kind of guide this conversation a little bit. I was thinking we could go the route of why do we think people fall into this idea of secret knowledge beliefs to where they think they know the truth and the people in their group know the truth and everybody else is wrong. And then another one was, we could talk about what our favorite slash most impactful on society conspiracy beliefs or conspiracy theories are, I think that might be kind of interesting. So I'm curious to hear what where you guys want to go with this this question.
0: So the first thing I thought about when I heard Jeremy's email was the Illuminati. That has to be top of the list mm-hmm. because it sounds when you think of the Illuminati, it has an influence on everything. If you ask a lot of people, whether it be Jay Z's a member of the Illuminati or the fact that the Muse performed and did the whole like triangle over the eye thing. And that's the one that I always come back to just because it seems like everybody is invested in the Illuminati. Uh, Charles, what do you think?
1: So I I definitely would say I wouldn't go Illuminati. Like my first thought was the Masons. So they're what the things they are forced to memorize and, and recite they're not allowed to write down. So, by its very nature, it's kind of secret in that way. The question I think was, do we believe in secret knowledge? I will say yes, I do. And then I'm going to leave that hanging for a second and I'm going to say that that's not really that interesting to me. Like what's more interesting to me is forgotten knowledge. So, let's talk about ego a little bit. Modern society, do we are we the pinnacle of understanding of the world and nobody has understand understood the world better than we do right now that's that's very arrogant to say that there are some things some parts of our understanding that other societies past societies understood better than we did than we do right now and i think that's where i'm super fascinated by things knowledge that we've lost to me that's super interesting we'll come back to secret knowledge so the elite, the super rich, the super wealthy, they already have everything going for them. Their kids are going to be super wealthy. Their grandkids are going to be super wealthy. Their great-grandchildren are going to be super wealthy. But it's not just about that money that they pass down. It's also the, the knowledge that they pass down. So there are certain things they do with their money, the way they buy things that appreciate and don't de- depreciate the way they network and have contacts and leverage their power in ways that they don't want everybody to know. And there are actually like groups where they get together and they actually meet and they talk about these things and and they share information. But this is not information they want everybody to have because then that gives people an opportunity to move up into the top or level, top levels and which means Some of them would be moving down from those top levels. So I 100% believe in that.
2: Can I? Can I? So I have some questions about that, Charles. Because I think what you're describing could be interpreted a couple different ways. One way would be this idea of an Illuminati type group, to where they have secrets that are somewhat magical, right? To or like they there's some there's some secret to the way they do things. They don't want other people to know about. Do you think that's actually true or do you think it's the fact that they're in those conversations? So they have background knowledge about the way that stocks are going to trend and companies are going to go and, and you like, they have, they have an excessive amount of control over things, but those, but that control is, is, is tangible and it's not, it's not mystical and it's not uh, rooted in, I don't know, like, like some uber conspiracy theory. It's more just people that have power, power by definition, allows influence. So therefore, they they can use that influence to collect more resources and make more money. Or are you saying that they actually have secrets? So like there's a way of playing the stock market that is a secret that if it got out, everybody would potentially be rich.
1: Yes, that's I'm saying that last thing. So when it comes to mystical and magical, I'm going nowhere near that shit. I don't believe in any of that like that's not even a worthwhile discussion to me. But when we talk about the super wealthy and people love to talk about the Illuminati, I say why are you so worried about the Illuminati? There is a very real conspiracy going on right now. The, the super wealthy conspire with each other to hold on to their power. There's a huge difference between new money and old money. There's a reason old money sticks around for such a long time. They have tricks of the trade. It's not magical. It's insider knowledge. It's Information that's been passed down, very intelligent ways of buying things and leveraging your power to consolidate more power as you move on. And, and I 100% believe in those things. And it's secret because you don't want other people to know these systems and processes that are going to allow you to consolidate and gain power.
2: Yeah, I, so. I,
1: I disagree. So I, I don't think that when it comes...
2: So that specifically, I'd be curious to push on that a little bit and hear what you think. And again, if it's secret, I guess there's no way of us knowing. But I think, you know, the, the pure ability to, uh, you, you have a bunch of capital investments, right? So you, you, mm-hmm. you have a bunch of wealth and that wealth is invested in capital, which is producing more wealth and you have influence that's not a secret that you're going to be able to gather more wealth and influence markets and things like that. Like, so are you, so, are you saying give there's me an there, example, like, give me an example a, of what like a secret would be like, like what's this a is secret a, code that a, that an old money person knows because I think you're giving people too much credit. And I think the, 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 the kids of people that did great things that just have so much money, they have so much money that they can literally lose money their entire lives and still be freaking rich. I don't think that's a secret. I think they just have so much money that it's ridiculous. Like it's it's a it's an economy of scale
1: issue. Right. So here's an example, and this is a terrible example because I know about it, so it can't be that secret. People who come into money very often drop back off the charts and don't keep their money. Well, they but have just as much but as old sc- money. Different
2: scale, different. Scale no, amount. I'm
1: saying they have. I'm saying they have just as much money as this old money does. But they can't keep it. So they did not learn the systems and processes to keep that money and consolidate it over time. Now, this is an example, and it's terrible because I know about it, can't be that secret. But a lot of old money people will not allow their kids to just flat out inherit their money. Like they have to meet some very rigorous requirements before they're allowed to get their inheritance, which if you're trying to consolidate money and wealth, and you're trying to grow that wealth, that's a genius strategy. And it doesn't sound like a right. Secret. That sounds like common sense. Exactly. That is the low hanging fruit because I'm not ultra wealthy, and I'm not like teaching. But they have, they, you know, they have like conventions and stuff like that, where like like the 300 wealthiest families will meet together and they talk about certain things and techniques and strategies and stuff like that. I believe in it. Okay.
2: So, uh, okay. No, all right. So, but I think we're going. I will
1: stay away from the mystical thing. Like that doesn't, means nothing to me.
2: So what you're describing, Charles. So like the super rich getting together and talking about things. I'm sure that happens.
1: But is there a secret? Using tried with... and true techniques that nobody knows about but them. I don't
2: know if nobody knows about them. I think it's just that they have the power to do what they want and influence things. And it's. Lots point, of people have
1: power and they lose it.
2: Yeah, but. If you have so much money, it doesn't happen in a generation. It happens over generations of literally. Sometimes it happens
1: in a generation. Sometimes, it, money.
2: sometimes it does, but it, it's gone like that. I think it's hard to do that. I think if you, if you have a shitload of money, it's probably harder to lose it than it is to uh, you know than not. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's an interesting take, Charles. I think that's a little different than what we think about. So what, when I hear you talk about that, I'm not picking up on things like the secret is that they're um, in cahoots with the lizard or the no. secret is
1: numerology or something like that. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to believe in anything like that. I can't even go near that stuff.
2: So now do I think that there's things that the the super rich are pulling levers that we don't know exist? Yeah, I think. I think okay, true. I like that. I, I kind of agree with that. Let me ask you guys this, because I think this this conversation, Jeremy left the door wide open. I personally would be curious, like, going the conspiracy theory route. So, like, what, what would you say your favorite conspiracy theories are? and why and those might be things that you actually believe in i don't know we can we can tell stories about that if we want to but like what what do you what are your favorite conspiracy theories and i'll use favorite loosely because they could be what do you think the most horrible conspiracy theory is whatever but you know what what do you think what, what what to you is the
0: biggest one keith my favorite one just because of how outrageous it is is the ancient aliens guy believing that Aliens came down to Egypt and they were actually flying planes and they had built the pyramids and all of those things. To me, that is the most outlandish conspiracy theory that I can think of. So because it's the most outlandish, I think that is why it's my favorite. Okay, Stephen, what what do you think is your favorite? So again,
2: I'm going to use favorite loosely because this is, I would argue, the most horrible one. It's my favorite example to use when I'm talking to people about conspiracy theories because I fundamentally am a skeptical person. I'm also kind of politically like, skeptical of my government, so I understand where some people are coming from when they think that there's some shady shit going on. But I like to point out to people that like, not following thinking all the way through and not basing your thinking on reality has real consequences. So the the one that I like to reference is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Have you guys heard about this?
1: Yes, a little bit. Vaguely. Precious.
2: So the protocols of the elders of Zion was a book slash manuscript that came out in like the early, early 1900s in Russia. Like, and this is like pre Bolshevik Russia, Russia. So it's like the, the czars and shit. Right. And they were having, so it's
0: under the Romanovs.
2: Yeah, no, I don't know if it was Romanovs. But yeah, it was it was the czars. I don't know how long the Romanovs were around, whatever. I'm not a Russian scholar. But they were having all kinds of political problems. And the Bolsheviks were rising in their society. And they also had like one of the largest populations of Jewish people in the world that had moved into into Russia. And what do we know about large populations of Jewish people? What always goes along with them? Definitely anti-Semitism, right? Like, if you have this population of people that look a little different and have these, these cultures and these norms that definitely stand out, their weddings are different than yours, they wear these funny hats, they just they, they do these different sort of rituals than the rest of the people around them, it's super easy to pick those people as scapegoats for all your problems. So this book popped up called The Elders of or The Protocols of the Elders of Zion that supposedly was this this recording of this meeting that happened like at a graveyard or something where all of the elders of of the Jewish the Jewish tribes got together and they came up with a plan. And this plan outlined how they were going to take over the world. And guess what they were going to take control over to manipulate the world. Guess what two things? What two things do people still associate today with Jewish people? The media. The media is one. Money. And, and money. financial Thank institutions, yep. yes. So in this, they outlined that they were going to take over the media and financial institutions, and from there, they were going to subvert society for their own means and and achieve world domination.
1: Did you read this on Breitbart? No, 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 no,
2: no. Oh, no. no, that's that's my point. So here, here's here's where this actually came from. This was this was pure plagiarism and a pure it, it was it was made up. And it came from like it was pulled from several different things, talking about different groups doing things. And the Russian, you know, they needed a scapegoat, and the secret police. It was this was pre like KGB, but it was like you know under the the czars and stuff. Like their they're, like their their secret police, if you want to call them that came up with this and published this, and they started using the Jewish people in Russia as a scapegoat for all of their problems. The Bolsheviks popped up. There was a revolution in Russia. Well, take a wild guess where the protocols of the elders of Zion started to surface after that. Germany, right? Yes. And guess who was a big believer in this and talked about it in his famous book called Mein Kampf? Oh, that would be Adolf Hitler. Yes. And guess where it was then published? in like the 19, like it kind of, actually kind of about the same time, you know, maybe across a little ocean.
0: it was Ruby published here
2: in the United exactly. States. Exactly. And a uh, good old Henry Ford paid for several hundred thousand copies of it to be published. And this was after it was already proven to be completely made up and not true. And it was basically a piece of propaganda that was generated to demonize the Jewish people. But do people care about that if it meets their political agendas and stuff and their own kind of like biases? No. To this date, still, if you probably go on Breitbart or on 4chan and you ask a question about the protocols of the elders of Zion, what are you still going to find? Anti-Semitism. People that believe in it and think that it's evidence that they've been planning this all along, even though the evidence shows that it was made up. But this conspiracy theory not only – I'm not going to say that it led – anti-Semitism didn't start with this, but it was definitely a vehicle that was used to perpetuate it. And it's persisted for over a 100 years, this stupid piece of shit that somebody wrote and pulled together all these other pieces of, of information to make this bullshit up. And a 100 years later, we're still seeing the ramifications of it. And now think about in the media – and in 4chan and these dark places, all the crap that's getting made up. Like, what's it gonna look like a hundred years from now? When you can't filter out the bullshit from the truth any more than you could be so that's my kind of favorite in a very bad way conspiracy theory, in that it just shows that you know, we talk about conspiracy theories like believing the government's hiding Bigfoot. When in reality, if you're not skeptical about your information, it can actually lead to things like I don't know, the Holocaust.
0: And for the record, I just want to throw this out there for our listeners: Fuck anti-Semites. I think we all agree on
1: that. I hate Nazis. And what's
2: another
0: word for those people? Uh, Nazis. Yes, we don't like those people. Yeah.
1: So I, I am I am fascinated. These threads of ideas. You know, I, I'd like to use the word memes, but I don't think people really use that word the way it was originally intended. But you know, like these. Uh, These ideas that grab hold and and they mutate and change and propagate other ideas. I love, I love, I'm fascinated by that. How many ideas are based on these ideas and things like that, these threads of ideas? So I don't really have a conspiracy theory. Maybe I do. I'm going to mention two things. But I'm absolutely love and I'm fascinated by the Georgia Stonehenge. Keith, that's your neck of the woods. You know about that?
0: I've heard about it, but it's not one of those things I've ever really looked into.
1: So- The reason it's in Georgia is because Georgia has like one of the largest deposits of like this limestone, this super dense limestone or whatever. And somebody out of nowhere paid a lot of money for these giant stones to be made. I think there's like seven different languages, some of them dead languages like Sanskrit and stuff like that. And it has all these like warnings about like population and things like that. To me, it, it feels very related to the Masons in some way. I'm just fascinated by this thing. Um there's some really good stories on Wired. If you're going to read a story, there's a good really good one on on Wired about it. But to me it's super fascinating. Even if this guy was crazy, he spent all this money to have these things built. To me that's really cool and reeks of like conspiracy, secret societies and things like that. But then I'm going to go somewhere really bizarre. Do you guys know about like the Cheney Rumfield? Is it was his name Rumfield?
0: Rum, yeah, Donald, Donald, Donald Rums,
2: Rumfield.
1: Rumfield. Yeah, Rumsfeld, this memo that came out that talked about like uniting America and it would take like a catastrophic event, blah, 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 and kind of just laying the groundwork for something that looked very much like 9-11. You guys know what I'm talking about?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard about yeah. this.
1: And, and I'm not saying I buy into it, but it is intriguing and fascinating and makes you wonder a little bit. You know, pull a string here, pull a string there. The Arabs are our allies. You know, what was seven of nine of them were from saudi arabia i mean it's it's interesting it's intriguing and then the things that happen with the world trade center like i guess seven of the buildings were destroyed which seems almost impossible since the planes only hit two i mean i don't know i'm not super educated in, in conspiracy theories but that one's always kind of fascinated me and like also steven you might know about this like clocking the time at which people fell or the explosions and the timing and they're like faster than the speed of like the acceleration due to gravity and things like that. I don't know that that whole thing is just weird and a lot of unexplained stuff. So
0: hold on, Charles, you're not saying nine eleven was a hoax, correct?
1: No, I'm not saying it's a hoax. I'm saying it could have been perpetuated, designed and that people took advantage of the situation and stuff like that. And I'm not saying any of this. You guys asked me for something. This is what I got. so i I don't really believe in conspiracy theories so
2: yeah i mean most of the stuff that i've seen about people that analyze the footage of the actual stuff that went on like bodies falling there's i mean there's all kinds of ways you can manipulate footage to show something like i like i I think most of that's been debunked okay now whether it was used to perpetuate a broader goal i mean
1: yeah yeah i don't know I don't think our government's capable of doing anything that Yeah, Yeah, that, that to well, me, that, that's so.
2: one of the biggest things that, that I always wonder about conspiracy theorists in general is like this idea that there's these secrets that are so big and world shattering and yet there's human beings that know about them and don't share them and don't it, like to me that just boggles them, right so like if if you were gonna if there was gonna be a false flag for example around like a school shooting or 9-11 right the number of people human beings that would have to be in on it is just mind-blowing and the fact that they wouldn't like that secret wouldn't get out in a, in a way that actually makes sense. And, you know, I guess sometimes they use the idea of like this whistleblower, like this one person that is telling the truth, but I don't know. I just, I just, it, to me, it's just, it's so hard to keep, it's so hard to convince people of things that there's a mountain of evidence for that doing the opposite makes no sense.
1: To me. But look into that Georgia Stonehenge. It's cool. Yeah, I, was, I was just looking at it. It's kind of
0: cool. Yeah. It's, it's not actually not far from where my grandparents live. So you should go. I'm actually going to Blairsville once this all settles down, which is only 30 minutes from there. So,
2: well, according to this, that Stonehenge says that we need to keep the world population underneath a certain level. So coronavirus could be part of the Stonehenge guy's plan.
1: I mean, I I hate to like go back to like reality and stuff, but carrying capacities have to be implemented in some way.
2: I'm not not disagreeing.
1: A virus is a total way to reach our carrying capacity. We could be above our carrying capacity. I I would love the conspiracy. And I don't think this is even a conspiracy. This is an Isaac Asimov book. But I would love for there to be a secret society that's job is to like maintain human knowledge and like make sure that it like survives any kind of disaster. And it's like preparing for. It and it's there's like a bunker somewhere in like Norway or something like that where they're just cataloging shit. I think that'd be awesome that's not actually a I, I actually I,
2: I could Google this and I could look it up but there was a book that I read Charles that was very much in line with that, and it was it was super interesting. So basically, you know, the explorers in space came across this this planet system that was super weird. Like first, they encountered like the moons and the asteroid belt, and they were totally mined to shit. Like there was nothing mm-hmm. left, right? And they they came to this planet, and there were these like you know these these alien species there that had these like amazing cities and all that. But then they started to decline rapid and they found these giant libraries that were built. They were basically locked off by by their religion to where nobody was allowed to go into those and the, the moral of the story for this book was this planet right this you know this whatever ecosystem they had been around long enough to where they had risen past like atomic energy and into you know like fission and stuff like that but then inevitably and they had biological reasons why this happened but their society would crumble down to another Stone Age. Well, if you think about it, in order for you to rise above a Stone Age, you have to be able to dig up mineral to have a Iron Age and a Copper Age and if you go through that yep. cycle a couple times those minerals aren't going to be there anymore because they've already been dug it up and if they are there, they're too deep and you're not going to find them. So they actually knew this was going to happen because of their life cycle for this weird biology and so they built these libraries that would be discovered by these people after the fall of civilization so that they would quickly adopt fission and they wouldn't have to, they could basically skip the Iron Age and,
1: you know, skip like, over, you know, yeah.
2: Which I, it was it was really cool and it's, it's, it's yep. I don't know, it was, it was an interesting thing to think about once a planet goes through something like that once you know whatever follows isn't going to be able to have the same kind of uh evolution of technology
1: do you think there are secret societies right now on Earth that are doing stuff like that. No, because it
2: goes back to the fucking Waco thing, dude. Like, people are stupid, (laughs) right? Like, like everyone thinks they're doing the right thing, but they don't necessarily plan ahead. In every group of people, there's like two or three that are like, huh, maybe we should think this through maybe four steps from now, whereas the other seven people are thinking about one or two steps. So, no. I don't think so. I don't think that can... I, I just... I don't... I love my fellow man, but I don't have enough faith in them that they can really like pull something like that off the closest thing that i've heard charles is what you described where it's like super rich ass people just getting together and deciding how things should be i don't think that's a secret that's that's power that's that's like making decisions and having the power to execute i don't think that's a secret
0: all right we're going to move to our final segment of the night this is one that steven brought up how is this going on so Stephen, you brought up the segment a couple weeks ago and we said that we were going to do it but we haven't done it yet and if this turns out like shit guess what i can edit it so we're good
1: we got like two episodes here
0: this segment is called what have we drank tonight so we've had uh, our beer oh, okay. we've had our beers of the week and so now we're going to give to our listeners the list of the other beers that we have had tonight so Stephen, since you came up with this segment why don't you go ahead and start us off?
2: Yeah. So I had two of the Kolsch's I talked about earlier, and I just finished a native Texan Pilsner by Independence Brewing, which I bought to review with the Kolsch, and the Kolsch one. This is also really good, but the Kolsch was a
0: little bit better. All right, Charles, what have you drank tonight?
1: Well, I started out with a Hop Device IPA from Revolver. It's a beautiful logo, Revolver. That's
0: it is great. a really cool logo.
1: And then I went into El Chingong which I thought was a great name. Uh, then I love Shiner Bock, so I did a Billy Jenkins Bock, but I don't know who Billy Jenkins is. Keith?
0: I don't know. I'm going to go look it Damn. up after was, this. Was that good? Okay. I've seen that at the... the
1: no. Camp. It wasn't a Shiner. Like, I love Shiner. Yeah. But Shiner's like the most drinkable Bock on the planet. Yeah, I
2: agree.
1: And right now I'm drinking Seven Spanish Angels by Brazos Valley, which is way too malty. It's a cold-brewed coffee ale. I wonder if it has caffeine in it. Am I going to be up all
0: night? I don't know. Well, I'm going to be honest. I completely forgot about this segment until I saw you talking or saw you drinking that. And I'm like, I have to know what that is because what a great name for a beer. And tonight I have drank, of course, my Moss Macho Double IPA. I've had a high lie. I've learned to enunciate that correctly.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> didn't say it right. <laughs> high lie.
0: There is a space between high and a lie there here. there is an extra right. there's an extra a in i think so yeah. That's a high lie high lie and then i had a brew dog punk ipa that's a good one and i started off the evening with corner taking quickly ipa which has been my most recent homebrew
2: and by the way they do not have brew dog at the specs in temple
0: well they used to i used to make sure to order it all right, guys, so that's going to wrap up our evening. We are so thankful that you joined us. We'll go ahead and end off with our taglines for the evening. Charles, why don't you go ahead and start off tonight?
1: Um, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I give you guys the,
0: you know it's coming every single week, and you act surprised every fucking time.
1: Have a beer. If it tastes good, it's chingon.
0: I like that. <laughs> that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, Steven. May your brother's El Camino run forever. Nice. And as always, if you change your community, you change the world. Thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. I slipped, I tripped, and I fell just this side of fearless and left the stupid. I've got an appetite for what you sell. So show me where the edge is.
2: Show me where the edge is.
0: Woo! You're still here? Well, thank you so much for listening. We always are appreciative of everybody who is listening and supporting us. And we just want to remind everybody that we are having our contest. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page, like, share, and leave a comment for the chance to win master class for a year. It's a hundred and eighty dollar value, but the educational value is unmeasurable. Thank you again for listening. And as always, Cheers.